You could take a lot of good things home with you from church today. You could learn a new song and go home singing it. That'd be a good thing. That would help you. You could learn somebody's name. I don't care who you are. There's somebody in this room whose name you don't know. You could go up to them and say, uh, hey, I'm Joe. What's your name? All right, you could learn their name, and you could take that name home and pray for them every day this week. That would be a great thing. That would be wonderful. You could uh, hear a Bible verse or a statement somewhere that really helps you. And can I suggest, recommend, whether you do it on your phone or I, I was introduced uh, about two months ago, I think I told you about this thing, to, to this little book. I, can't, I used to use note cards, and I gave up on it because... TMI right here. I, I sweat a lot, all right? And by the end of the day, my note cards were just a, a soaking wet mess and the ink had run and it just was a... But this little book right here has, has helped me if I could not drop it. I write, I write everything down and the, the cover keeps it from, from... Anyway, so you ought to have something to write stuff down is what I'm saying. And you could hear a verse or a statement and write it down and take it home, and that would be great. All kinds of good things that you could take home with you from church today. But the greatest thing, the most powerful thing that you could take home with you today is the decision to live a God and me lifestyle. Now, that sounds kind of lame right there. You say, Pastor, that, you know, for somebody who's always using Bible expressions and phrases, that sounds kind of lame. I know. But I'm afraid that there's some words that maybe I say that you don't understand. And I think God and me says it. There's a name for the God and me lifestyle. In the Bible, that name is holiness. Holiness is a daily God and me lifestyle. You know, most Christians just live a me lifestyle with some occasional God. That's not holiness. And that's not Bible Christianity. Holiness is a daily, a constant God and me lifestyle. The greatest thing that you could take home with you today would be the decision to live a God and me lifestyle. Now, I'm sure there'd be a theologian out there who would say, well, I think, I think God and me lifestyle is a bit of a oversimplification of holiness. And you know what? He'd be right. But the fact that most Christians couldn't give you any kind of a definition of the word holiness tells me that maybe we need to start out at an oversimplification. I know this. If you will begin in your pursuit of holiness with the definition, a God and me lifestyle, think about that. Let it permeate your mind, permeate your heart. Let it guide you through the day. Let it drive you through the day. If you would start there, a God and me lifestyle, then God would show you all the deeper things of the word holiness. So I'm not worried about that definition right there. What I am worried about is that anybody in this room might possibly miss that you can live 
a God and me lifestyle every day. Well, I'm not a very religious person, and I didn't make that. That's probably not your voice. I didn't mean to imply that it was. I'm not a very religious person. Okay, we're not talking about religious people. We're talking about you, a child of God, living every day a God and me lifestyle. All right, so let's, let's explain that a little bit. Holiness... The God and me lifestyle is the essence of the Christian life. It's why we're here, right? I mean, it's why we came to church because we want to learn about the Christian life, right? Okay, holiness, the God and me lifestyle is the essence of the Christian life. I want you to listen to some of what the Bible says. Listen to Romans 6.22. Being made free from sin and become servants to God... You have your fruit unto holiness. So if you've been set free from sin, if you're a servant of the Lord, then the fruit that you produce is holiness. Listen to 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Hebrews 12 verse 10 says that God chastens us for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Hebrews twelve fourteen says, follow holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Listen, Christian, we have a Christianity in 2017 that is taking holiness out of the Christian lifestyle. And when you take holiness out of the Christian lifestyle, you have no Christian lifestyle left. Look at Philippians chapter 3, verse number 12. It's what we read a little while ago. This verse just, first of all, it amuses me. (laughs) I hope that's not disrespectful to the word of God. But it challenges me incredibly. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 12. Read that out loud with me. Ready? Philippians 3, verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. It's the second part of the verse that I want you to get. I follow after, if that I may apprehend. So I'm trying to to catch something, trying to get something. And what is it that I'm trying to get? That for which also I am apprehended. Of Christ Jesus. So I'm trying to get something. And Jesus is trying to get something for me. Paul says here. That there's something that he wants from God. And at the same time there's something that God wants for Paul. It's sort of. This is terrible. It sort of reminds me of the old song my grandmother used to sing. Or she quoted, she couldn't sing. She used to quote the song that said, I was looking back to see if you were looking back to see, if I was looking back to see, if you were looking back at me. How many of you have heard that brilliant song before? Okay. It sort of reminds me of that. It probably shouldn't remind me of that, but it sort of does. Paul says, 
I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So Paul says, there's something that I want from God, but at the same time, there's something that God wants for me. And here's the awesome thing. He says that what he wants from God and that what God wants for him are the same thing. As you examine the New Testament, you'll find two different words for this thing that we want from God and that God wants for us. Two different words, and they mean almost the same thing, and I'll show you the difference between the two words. What we want from God is holiness. What God wants for us is sanctification. Two words that essentially mean the same thing, but there's a difference to them, and let's talk about them. Holiness and sanctification both refer to the process of becoming like Jesus Christ. The greatest thing that can happen to you in your lifetime is for you to become like Jesus Christ. I don't understand how that possibly could be the greatest thing that could happen to me, but I'm the preacher. Okay, just like you go to the doctor and you don't understand why the doctor says if you do this and this and this and this, your numbers will be better next time. You say, I don't understand that. But you do it because he's the doctor. She's the doctor. Okay? I'm telling you, as a student of the Word of God for almost all of my 50 years, I'm telling you that the greatest thing that can happen to you based on the Bible, the greatest thing that can happen to you in your lifetime is for you to become like Jesus Christ. And when we stand before God and we we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we are rewarded for our service and we receive eternal rewards, you're going to seek me out. You're you're going to find me. You're going to say, Pastor, I didn't get it then, but I get it now. The greatest thing that could have happened to me in my lifetime is for me to become like Jesus Christ. That process for us or that, that pursuit is called holiness. Holiness, I want to become like Jesus Christ. The process of God making us like Jesus Christ is called sanctification. So the end result for both of those things, holiness and sanctification, the end result is for us to become like Jesus Christ. The difference between the two words is holiness is the thing that I'm working to do. Sanctification is the process that God puts us through to get us there. So essentially the same thing, but not exactly the same thing. Now, keep that in mind. A process, a pursuit. I'm going after holiness. I want to be like Jesus. A process. God wants to make me like Jesus. All right? You got that? Let's read again. Philippians 3. I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. I'm in pursuit of God for holiness. God's in pursuit of me to sanctify me, to make me like Jesus Christ. Excuse me. Holiness refers to what we are striving for. Sanctification refers to the work that God does in us to make us holy. Holiness is the believer's purpose. Sanctification is God's process that produces holiness. Holiness is me longing and striving to be like Jesus. Sanctification is God's word and his spirit working daily to make me like Jesus. So as I focus on and pray for and strive to live a holy life, God responds by doing his work of sanctification in me. 
It's a daily pursuit. I'm after holiness. God's after sanctification for me. As I pursue holiness, God sanctifies me. And I become more like Jesus Christ. That's the greatest thing that can happen in your life. For you to allow God to make you more like Jesus Christ through your pursuit of holiness. Only God can do the work of sanctification. And he only does it when he sees me pursuing holiness. Paul said, I follow after if that, that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Holiness is my part of that equation. 1 Peter 1.16, uh, yeah, be ye holy, for I am holy. This is God inviting me to be like him. Be ye holy, for I am holy. God invites you to be like him. Only God is holy. It is an unbelievable thing that he has invited you to be like him. That ought to make all of us absolutely ecstatic. Almighty God, the only holy being in the universe, invites me and invites you to be like him. That's unbelievable. Be ye holy as I am holy. So my part of the equation is I want holiness. I want God to make me like him. I want to go where God's going. I want to do what God's doing. I want the mind of God, the heart of God. I want everything of God I can get. I want to be holy, but I can't. I can try. And God sees me striving for holiness, and he reaches in to say, okay, let me continue my work of sanctification. That's God making us like Jesus, and only he can do it. You can't make yourself like Jesus. Only God can do that. And the process is sanctification, and God continues the process as he sees you making the effort to strive for holiness. I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Sanctification is God's part of the equation. Jesus prayed in John 17, verse 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Now, so far, and and I'm going to throw out a couple numbers here in a minute, and don't don't let them get you nervous because we are so much closer to the end than you probably think we are, all right? But so far, I've only shown you the importance that holiness plays in your life. I haven't yet told you how the Bible says that I strive to be holy. If you want to understand holiness, if you want to strive for holiness, there are five scriptural parts of holiness that you need to focus on. And very rarely do I openly request that you write something down. But I'm going to ask you to write down these five words somewhere where you will find it again because I think you need these. I think these could help you keep your life growing, becoming more like Jesus Christ. Man, there wasn't a single person taking notes because everybody's looking for a pen right now. That's awesome. Now, let me give you a little bit of warning here, all right? Under the first point of those five, I'm going to give you five other quick points. I told you the numbers could scare you because we figure right away, okay, two minutes a point, five times two, 
20 more minutes of this message. I don't think there'll be 20 more minutes of this message. I really don't. These are quick points. But, but under the first point, there's five more that you probably want to, if you're going to write them at all, write them somewhere else so that you don't get them confused with the big five. So there's a big five, there's a little five. Are you following me? No? Okay, because I'm a little lost too. So here's the five parts of holiness. By the way, you say, Pastor, are you holy? Absolutely not. I am not. But I can tell you this, I've been striving for holiness since I was about 14. It's not you being holy. You can't. You're not. It's you pursuing holiness. That causes God to say, oh, I see what you're trying to do, and I'm after the same thing. You're trying to be like Jesus, and I want the same thing for you. So while you're pursuing holiness, I'm going to sanctify you and make you a little bit more like Jesus Christ. I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. I'm chasing him. He's chasing me. We're both after the same thing. I want to become like Jesus Christ. So here's the five parts of holiness. Number one, absolutely, positively, it's not just essential. If you don't have this, you don't have holiness. And that's the word relationship. Relationship. I hear, I've heard people talk about holiness, and right away they go off spouting a bunch of things that they never do, things they don't say, places they don't go. Now, but I think those things are important, by the way, and I'll get to that in a minute. But they don't say anything about their relationship with God. Can I tell you? I don't care how strict your lifestyle is. If you don't have a relationship with God, you don't have holiness. Holiness is the essence. I'm sorry. A relationship with God is the essence of holiness. All right? How do I know, Pastor, if I have a relationship with God? Okay, so here's the little five, and I'm just going to fly through these. How do you know if you have a relationship with God? This is not the big five. This is the little five, okay? I'm going to give you five ways, five essentials of a relationship with God. Number one, communication. Are you talking to God daily? And the more you grow in your relationship with God, it goes from daily to constantly. Are you talking to God constantly? Second word, knowledge. Are you growing in your knowledge of God every day? And I don't just mean a head knowledge. I mean you know who he is. My wife and I will celebrate 25 years of marriage in August. You know, we're still daily getting to know each other. Head and heart. Every, every way. You don't ever stop getting to know somebody that you love. And with an infinite God, that's even more true. So we're not just talking about learning facts about God. We're talking about learning the truths of God, learning the heart of God, learning the mind of God, the character of God, which primarily happens through his word. Do you have a relationship with God? If you, you, you do if you, number one, have communication with him. If you have knowledge of him or are growing in your knowledge of him, thirdly, and you might not expect us to go to these, last, these next couple, thirdly, praise. Do you have a relationship with God? Communication, knowledge, number three, praise. There's no way that if you don't have a life of praising the Lord that you're going to convince me that you have a good relationship with God. If you have a good relationship with God, you are thanking him all the time. You're praising him all the time. You're giving him glory all the time. Do you sing to the Lord? I can't sing. Singing to the Lord is not about whether you can sing. 
is about you lifting up your praises to the Lord. I'm going to throw you a curveball here. You're not expecting this one. Ingredients of relationship with God. I said, number one, communication. Number two, knowledge. Number three, praise. Number four, emotion. Now, understand, emotion is not a cause. It's an effect. So I'm not saying make sure you put emotion into it. I'm saying if there is no emotion in your relationship with God, something's off. I know what you may be thinking. Well, I'm just not an emotional person. I would say one out of maybe every 10,000 people who make that excuse about God, maybe one out of 10,000, it's true. Here's how to know if you're telling the truth or not. And not for me. To, you don't have to prove anything to me. I'm not the teacher. I'm not checking your homework. This is about you checking your own heart. What else do you get emotional about in your life? What is your... Okay, if you can sit there and watch that movie where the couple rediscovers themselves, you know, they're reunited after 30 years apart. If you can sit there and watch the puppy come home after he's been lost, and if you can watch the, the hero dying for everybody, uh, if you can watch those things and just go, huh, then... I think you're probably right. You're not an emotional person. But if you can watch that Hallmark movie, and by the end you go, or, you know, if you're you're the dad, you're the husband, you know, and the lights are off because you're all watching this this sappy movie together, and, and all of a sudden you're going, Dad, you crying? No, I got a cold over here. That's right. I don't even make a motion towards my, my mouth or my, because I know that I'm being watched to see if, is he crying? No, no, my nose is running. I, you know. <laughs> Check out your level of motion towards other things. If you can shout about a, a baseball or football victory, a basketball victory, if you can laugh hysterically at a joke, if you can get excited about some song, a secular song, your favorite song comes out, yes, I love this song. Those are all emotions. And then ask yourself this, do I ever get to that level of emotion and excitement about God? Remember I said emotions are an effect, they're not a cause. Don't try to add some tears because it looks good. I want to make my, you know, you got your, there's this thing about Instagram posts in my devotions, you know. You got a picture, and I'm not in Instagram, but I've seen the, the mockery of it. Of, you know, I've got my Bible, and there's my cup of coffee, and got some flowers over here, and everything's just, okay, nice picture. I don't actually read the Bible there, but boy, that makes a great picture for, for Instagram to post my time with the Lord this morning. And it's all fun. I'm not, you know, that's, if you do that, that's fine. But don't try to add emotion to try to make your relationship. But that's not, I'm not talking about adding emotion. I'm talking about measuring. Do you ever get caught up with the presence of God so fully that it brings you to tears? Do you ever get so moved by the concept of redemption, forgiveness, the awesomeness of God, where you just, you're alone with God and you can't help but say, 
It's a good way to measure your relationship with God. Fifth word in the little list, little list of five. Fifth word, surrender. Now, we're not talking about big lifelong surrender. You know, every day I surrender to God. Lord, I'll go to China. I'll go to Africa. No, we're not talking about that. I'm talking about do you have a yieldedness to God every day? Or I'll do what you want me to do. I'll talk to the person you want me to talk to. Lord, I'll get that out of my life. Lord, I'll add this to my life. Lord, I'll change my attitude towards, towards leadership. And I'm not talking about me. One of the great hindrances that people have as they try to grow, and we talked about this in Sunday school, the people got angry at God, but they thought it was okay because they griped it against Moses. Did you get that? Oh, I don't have an issue with God. I got an issue with Moses, and the Bible clearly says God says, no, you got an issue with me. You can blame it on the guy. You can blame it on Moses, but your issue's with me. Here's where a lot of people get tripped up in their growth. They, they, they absolutely refuse to submit to Moses' leadership. But they think everything's great between them and God. You surrender to God, you'll be surrendered to Moses. So those five words. Communication. Knowledge. Praise, emotion, surrender. If you have those elements in your relationship with God, you're doing pretty good. All right, so let's go back to the big five. What was the first word in the big five, the five-part description of holiness? Number one, relationship. Let's fly through the last four. We'll be all done. The second part of holiness, number two, identity. Holiness is an identity that tells the world, I belong to God. Do people at your school identify you as the Christian? Do people on your job identify you as the Christian? Do people in your family identify you as the Christian? I told you at the, uh, at the beginning of the service about a, a fellow at, at Elmer's who just came walking up to me, I don't know, a month and a half ago and said, aren't you a pastor? I don't know how he knows that, but I'm glad he does. I guarantee you this. If I went in there looking like everybody else, cussing like everybody else, I guarantee you they wouldn't know that I'm a pastor. How do they know? Well, okay, the tie probably has something to do with it, but I'll tell you what else has something to do with it. The joy of the Lord that's always at our table. And can I say this too? The generous tip. the kindness with which I treat the people that serve me. And the fact that, no, you know, well, let's not go down that road. I want to save time here. Do people identify? First Corinthians, well, let's go to Matthew 10 first. Matthew 10, 32. Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. What is Jesus saying? If you will be identified with me in this world... I will identify you with me before my Father. Identity, big part of holiness. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, what? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? You're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Holiness says, I'm not ashamed for the world to see God owns me. Identity, third big word. Holiness, third big word is cleanness. There's an element of holiness that means purity, cleanness. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, 
God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. We're not talking about taking a shower here, although that's not hurtful. We're talking about keeping your life, as James 1 says, unspotted from the world. Now, we all fail at that. We all have so much of the world in us that we're not even aware of. But we ought to be striving for cleanness. When you're pursuing holiness, you don't want your mind and your heart to be filled with the filth of this world. You stop asking questions. Where does the Bible say that it's a sin to watch an R-rated movie? And you move to a place where you say, I want to be holy. I want to be clean. I don't want to hear those words. I don't want to see those scenes. I don't want those concepts, those ideas, those ungodly ideas to be pumped at me and thrown at me all the time. It's not about, where does the Bible say it's wrong to... No, it's about, I don't want to be tainted by the garbage. Cleanness. I said relationship. I said identity. Third part of holiness, cleanness. You move away from this world's music, this world's habits, this world's hangouts, this world's amusements. You avoid the parties, the pot, and the pornography. You long to stay clean. You strive to stay clean. Will you be perfect at it? No, you won't, but you keep trying. Fourth, holiness shows a difference. Fourth word, difference. Relationship, identity, cleanness, difference. Listen to Leviticus 10, verse 10. Put difference between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean. Say, Pastor, that's Leviticus. That's the law. Yeah, but the, the inherent definition of holiness does not change. He said put a difference between the holy and the unholy, between the clean and the unclean. Holiness is supposed to show a difference. So you strive to live to let people see the difference between God and everything else. Holiness is being a walking, talking object lesson of the difference between the ways of God and the ways of sin. Holiness is the reason that you don't curse and you don't laugh at the foul jokes. Holiness is the reason that we don't rock out for Jesus. Holiness is the reason that there are places that we don't go, words we don't say, things we don't do. Can I say this, as I told the story a little little while ago at the beginning of the service? Holiness is the reason that a guy who's in trouble with the cops says, can you send that one officer down here? Because there's an officer who's living holiness on the job, and somebody saw it. Holiness shows a difference. Now listen, it's a mistake to think that the difference is all that holiness is. Some people just get caught up on the difference. That's all, that's all that holiness is. Oh, no. It's a mistake to think that that's all that holiness is. But it's just as big a mistake to pretend that the difference is not an important element of holiness. Last word. We are so close to being done. You keep saying that, but we are. We are. We're so close. Relationship. Identity. Cleanness. Difference, number five, influence. Holiness influences people for Jesus. You know these verses. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And they give it light unto all that are in the house. 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. If you have all the other ingredients, but you're not bringing other people closer to Jesus Christ, something's broken. God wants to make you more like Jesus. That process is called sanctification. Every true believer wants God to make him like Jesus and strives to be more like Jesus. That pursuit is called holiness. Holiness is a God and me lifestyle. And the God and me lifestyle can be summarized in five words. Relationship, identity, cleanness, difference, influence. You give your life to the pursuit of holiness. You will not be ashamed when you stand before God. You you give your life to the pursuit of holiness, you will have victory over sin. That doesn't mean you'll never sin again. Let me throw this in. I'll take 60 seconds. We'll be finished. Let me throw this in. Satan wants you to think that when you stumble and fall, when you fail spiritually or morally, that that means you can't pray. That, that means you can't read your Bible. You can't be close to God now because you stumbled, you fell, you failed. That line of thinking makes the cleanness the driving force of holiness. It is not. The driving force of holiness is the relationship. So when you fail, get it right. Confess it to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. But you, get, you stay right in there with God because the driving force of holiness is your relationship with God. And don't let anything throw you from that horse of having a close relationship with God. Holiness, the God and me lifestyle, be the greatest thing that you can take home with you today. Let's stand together this morning. We'll bow for prayer. The piano's going to play. Lord, my heart aches for everyone to get what we talked about this morning, for everyone to grasp it and hunger for it, the God and me lifestyle. Please, Father, I pray, help us to pursue it. So much that calls itself church these days, just not even caring about holiness. Lord, that philosophy is not welcome here, and we're going to work hard to keep it out of here. It's going to be out of here as long as I'm the pastor. Instead, we need the, the Christian lifestyle that you taught, that Jesus taught, holiness, a relationship with God, an identity that says, I belong to Jesus, a cleanness from this world, showing the difference between God and everything else and influencing people for Jesus Christ. Help us to live there. Help us to live there, I pray. In just a moment, the piano is going to play and folks are going to take some time as they offer.